You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts, and our podcast available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. We've got a great show for you today. Karen Brinson-Bell, the Executive Director of the State Board of Elections, is back with us to talk about voting changes that went into effect recently, the upcoming primary, and what you need to know before that March primary approaches us. But um, before we get to her, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I'm joined here in the studio with my partner in crime here, our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you today, sir? Mike, I'm wonderful. You, last week you gave me kudos on my attire. I have to give you kudos as you're rocking the suit today. That's right, yeah. And, you know, very, very sharp for our, our special guest today. Yeah, that's right. I did dress up just for, for Karen, and we're always happy. You know, i got to say, folks, you know, we do different interviews here very, you know, differently. Each one is different. Um, sometimes... Folks can't be here with us in the studio. Sometimes they join us via Zoom, which works out fine, but there's definitely a different energy. And uh, we get along great with, with our guest today, and we're, we're delighted that she's back with us here in the studio, taking time uh, out of her schedule to be with us, um, and looking forward to the conversation with her. Before we get to that, though, Jason, I have to share something with you, as I always do. You know, we like to talk about yes. how we spend our time off the air, and sometimes when we're not working as well. Uh, I had a little special treat um, recently uh, that I want to share with you and the audience about. Um, I got to see the show Hamilton um, on Broadway. Yes. Um, Now, um, I have to say... You know, as you get a little bit older, I, I think it's it's a good thing if you find yourself in a position where you're appreciating things that you didn't appreciate so much. You know, I have to say, um, when I was a teenager, in my 20s even, um, I definitely was not interested in musicals. <laughs> I thought theater was cool and production, that type of stuff was cool. I was always curious about it, wondered what Broadway was like, even growing up, you know, close to the city, would see Broadway, but never really had gone to any shows. Um, musicals definitely were not something I was interested in. You know, as a kid who was into skateboarding and punk rock and stuff, I was like, yeah, uh, musicals, not cool. But, um, you know, as you get older, you start to appreciate things a little bit uh, differently. And um, sometimes uh, that begins with recognizing talent, you know. Uh, for example, Jason, I don't know what type of music you're into. We've never actually talked about that. Um, me, personally, I'm like, I'm not a country guy. On my phone here, I've got thousands of songs. Not a one is a country song. <laughs> but I have to say, you know, I'll be out and about and I'll hear a song and, you know, catch myself saying, wow, that's a great song. You know, that guy can really play it. That girl, woman has got a wonderful voice. You know, what a great song. I have no, maybe no interest in listening to it on my own, but you begin to, you know, you appreciate talent, you recognize it, and you can understand why people are so into it. That's kind of how I was with with musicals and things, and I'm in a you know state of transition and change the last few years, and kind of redefining how I spend my time and so forth. And 
getting up to uh, to see shows on Broadway, Broadway. Excuse me, Broadway has been one of them. And I have to say, Hamilton launched back in uh, twenty fifteen, I think. And there was all this hype, and I was hearing about how people were downloading the soundtrack and singing along to it in their cars. And I'm thinking, my gosh, that sounds so lame to me. I get it, folks. I get it. For those of you who've seen Hamilton, um, who love it, I get it. Um, I did prepare for it, though, Jason. And I'd recommend this to anybody who's not so good at like understanding lyrics and things like that to songs. You know, even on my phone, many of my favorite songs. I can't sing the songs all the way through. I'm just not good at that type of stuff. Um, so what I did was I watched Hamilton. On, they have it on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I had my iPad open to the Wikipedia page so I can, okay, let me see what the synopsis and what goes on scene by scene. And then I watched the play or the, the program with the subtitles on. And I'm so glad I did because it is so quick um, and so much information um, in each of those songs. And by the way, they don't speak any of the dialogue. Every single bit of this of the dialogue is sung. They're all songs back to back. And uh, that really helped me prepare. And I just saw even then, wow, this is going to be great to see this in person because uh, – it was just such remarkable writing and storytelling and just, you know, obviously the politics and the drama but and the history, but also, you know, love and betrayal and grief and just such heart-wrenching moments um, where, you know, on one hand, you're just you know, your eyes are swelling up with tears and the next minute you're just laughing so hard and what a great, great program. So I say this to folks um, who may be, you know, on the younger end of the ARP uh, without limits listening spectrum, um, you know, give certain things a chance. You never know uh, how you may surprise yourself. And uh, again, sometimes gaining an interest in something new is by recognizing talent uh, where it exists, even if it's not your, necessarily your cup of tea. So anyway, want to share that with you, Jason. Recommend C. Hamilton if you haven't yet. Um, and uh, of course, you can get the soundtrack online <laughs> at all these streaming services and so forth. So speaking of, uh, you know, uh, history and timelines and so forth, we you know, looking back at the Hamilton, we're looking forward now at some things that are coming up. And of course, this is an important election year for us. And uh, to talk about what's going on here in North Carolina when it comes to upcoming elections, the primary election, the general election, the deadlines that y'all need to know so you can have the opportunity to legally participate in our election. We have, uh, there's nobody better to speak to here in North Carolina than our guest, uh, the Executive Director of North Carolina State Board of Elections, uh, Karen Brinson-Bell. Karen, thanks so much for being with us. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, and I'll just throw in my Hamilton most recent experience, uh, Uber driver. That's how he was learning English. Really? Uh, Uber driver I had recently, yes. I'm listening wow. to the soundtrack, as you were talking about, in the Uber vehicle, and that's what he shared with me. Wow, that's fat. that could be a whole other show topic exactly. on its own there, that's Jason. That's why I'm letting you know. you got history, <laughs> you've got culture, you've got, oh, wow, all sorts of stuff. And, of course, that's learning right. the English language. How wonderful. Well, we appreciate you coming back to the program. Um, and uh, to begin with, let's start with some basic information so our listeners have a very clear and accurate understanding of what the Board of Elections is and how it works, because there is so much misinformation and bad information out there regarding what the what the Board of Elections is and what it does. Can you please, uh, for those who didn't catch you on our previous programs, just to, to, to give us some of the basics? 
I'm happy to. The, the State Board of Elections in North Carolina is structured a little differently than what if people are familiar with other states. Maybe they've moved to North Carolina. Um, in many states, it's, it's the charges to the Secretary of State. But in North Carolina, we're an independent agency. Uh, it's made up of five-member board um, who are appointed by the governor through the political party recommendations. They don't work full-time. I'm the full-time person who uh, oversees elections with a wonderful staff at the state board, um, and we have oversight of the 100-county board of elections. So they also have five-member boards, and there is a county elections director and staff that makes sure that, um, that it all comes together when it comes time to hold our primaries in our elections um, throughout the state. Now, we've heard in recent months news about changes coming to the Board of Elections in terms of appointments. Is it, you know, how many, you know, the governor versus the legislature? What, what's what's the latest on that? Is that that's still ongoing or what's the status? That is still ongoing. There was a, a bill passed in the legislature. It was Senate Bill 749 um, that would have changed the, the makeup of the state board and the county boards. It would become a eight member, an eight-member state board and a four-member county board um, in each county. Uh, that that, and the 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 appoint the the folks making the appointments would come out of the legislature, not uh, the governor or the political parties. Um, so that actually is in a lawsuit. And just before the holidays, um, there was an injunction. There has not been an appeal. So the injunction will be heard um, in. January, February, the date hasn't been set um, to see whether those changes will happen or not. But for now, uh, status quo, and mm-hmm. we will we will keep functioning as we exist and uh, deliver another successful voter-centered election uh, on March the 5th. Things always just seem to be changing or up in the air here in North Carolina as far as our election rules go and so forth. And so we're, we're especially happy to have you here. Uh, before we get into talking about changes and, and things like that that are, that are taking place, what people need to know, we have a primary coming up in a couple of months, 50-something days off, I think. Um, and folks, a probably maybe a bit, bit, bit of confusion as to the primary and what parties do primaries and how does it work in North Carolina? Can you please set folks straight on that? Happy to make sure folks know how that works because, again, it's something else that's done differently in different states. In North Carolina, we have a semi-closed primary. So we have people uh, register to vote that and they must be registered to vote and affiliated with a party by February the 9th. And then when they go to vote, they're going to be asked their party's affiliation for the primary because that's the nominating process. So if they're registered with the Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian Party, then they are going to receive that party's ballot. If they are unaffiliated in North Carolina, then you have the choice to of which of those ballots. Um, And and you will help those parties decide who their nominees will be for the general election. There is no Green Party or no no Labels Party primary. Um, They will just uh, go through convention and uh, have their nominees appear on the general election ballot in November. Which is important to know because especially no labels, we've been hearing a lot more of them in the news and so forth. Probably probably more national news than here in North Carolina, but it's important to know. They will not be on the primary ballot because that's the kind of the way it's supposed to be. They will be on the general though that's right they're a new uh, new party so they have to do this by convention um and and that moves them to the general election if they have candidates okay good information we appreciate it when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with karen brinson bell about what what changes have taken place in north carolina's voting process what you need to know uh so you can participate this is aarp without limits we'll be right back 
This is AARP Without Limits. Folks, just a reminder, we always love to hear from you. If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a recommendation or a suggestion for a future topic or guest, please send us an email to AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. We've been speaking today with our guest, Karen Brinson-Bell, who's the executive director of the North Carolina State Board of Elections. We've been talking about um, some basics about what the Board of Elections is and uh, what our primary um, elections look like this year. Um, But Karen, let's take a step kind of back and broader. Um, There have been a lot of changes that has to our voting process that has taken place here in North Carolina within the last year. Uh, lawsuits back and forth, things that go back a few years. Walk us through what's what's different this year as a presidential year versus the last time we had a presidential. Certainly. Um, I think there are two key things for voters to know. There's been a lot that's happened that affect us behind the scenes, um, you know, like the, the maps and putting those in place and so forth. But two key things that voters need to be thinking about is that, one, uh, back in Uh, April of last year, the courts did decide we would move forward with photo ID. We had that in the municipal elections, but this uh, 2024 will be the big year where you know we'll have the most voters interacting with photo ID and so that is required now in North Carolina for in-person voting or if you request an absentee by mail ballot you have to provide um, a copy of a photo ID. Um, I can talk about some of the exceptions to that and, and so forth but um, let me also before I do that emphasize that the other big change that folks need to know is if they choose to vote absentee by mail the deadline for returning that ballot has changed so um, It is now required by law that those ballots be back in the hands of the County Board of Elections by 7.30 p.m. on Election Day in order for them to count. Um, There's some some exceptions for military and overseas citizens, um, but for your your typical absentee by mail voter, they must get that ballot back to us by 7.30 p.m. of Election Day in order for their ballot to be counted. And that's a significant change because typically it was, what, like two or three days? And then with COVID, it was, what, nine or ten days? That's right. Um, um, it, the 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 typical thing was uh, to be postmarked by election day and received three days after, so mm-hmm. the Friday after the election. Um, we did the state board unanimously made a change to that, uh, dealing with a lawsuit back during 2020. Um, but uh, yeah, that that gave a little bit extra time. But um, but it's really key. Folks know that if they do vote absentee by mail, um, which in North Carolina you you can make that request right now, and we'll get that ballot out to you by next Friday, the 19th. Um, but it you know if you choose to vote that way, you've just got to get it back to us uh, no later than 7:30 p.m. election day. So two words, folks: plan ahead. Be thinking about this stuff now. Um, so you, you're able to participate. Uh, the voter, the photo ID has been very controversial, obviously, for a long time, um, not just here in North Carolina, but across the country. Um, what, if, what do voters need to be aware of and, and prepared for when, when voting? And you mentioned it's a requirement even if you're voting absentee. Um, so just a little bit more specifics on that. Um, Certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, we now require a photo ID to be presented, uh, and we have many forms of photo ID. Uh, that are acceptable and you can find all of those on our our website which is ncsbe.gov forward slash voter id the letters id Um, and you know it it ranges from most people will use their driver's license but you know that might not be something that that individuals have Um, they can use a passport they can use uh, uh, 
you know, there are various public IDs that are, are an option, like uh, government IDs. Uh, there are school IDs that are acceptable. So um, there are tribal IDs that are acceptable. Mm-hmm. So we've published all of that on our website. Um, if you don't have an acceptable form of ID, there is an exception form for whether you vote in person or by mail, where you can indicate why you were not able to get an acceptable form of ID. Mm-hmm. Um, with folks who vote by mail, it maybe you can't make a copy. You have no means to make a copy to send back to us. Uh, if you're in person, it might be that you didn't have the means of transportation to get you to a place that can you know, produce an ID. If you don't have an ID and you want to get one as a registered voter in North Carolina, you can get a free ID through the DMV, or you can go to your county board of elections office and they can create a f- voter ID for you uh, there in the office. So there's a lot of options. Um, and then I just always caution you know folks to realize that you've you've got you know many forms of ID that you can present. You've got an exception form that can be considered. If you just up and forgot to bring your ID to the polling place, um, then there's also the ability to vote a provisional ballot and then come to the County Board of Elections uh, during that certification period to show your ID. So um, really a lot of options for voters and um, hopefully it provides the flexibility that they need. But, you know, I think through all of that, I want want people to hear the most is that uh, don't let this hinder you. If Mm -hmm. you want to vote, come vote and we will work through your photo ID requirements. Okay, that, that information about provisional ballot is so important and and I want to emphasize it just because I think there are people who may not understand it maybe they've heard misinformation regarding it um, and or they happen to forget their ID or they had the picture and then they you know it's pretty dated and doesn't look like them and you know there's an issue there being able to vote with a provisional ballot uh, still being able to participate um, even though there may be some question and then it can be verified um, elsewhere right um, what, how do, with all these changes and so forth, how does the Board of Education get this information out? I think I was watching Spectrum, um, you know, as I getting ready for work in the morning and, and saw a thing about, you mentioned before, being able to get a free ID at a, at a board of elect, county board of elections. Is that something you guys oversee or manage or – there's, mm-hmm. there's multi-pronged approach to mm-hmm. the state board of elections and the county boards of elections getting the word out. Um, we've certainly, uh, up until this point, been reliant upon uh, press releases, media reporting, uh, press conferences, social media. Um, but we now are going to be doing some mailers. Uh, there are two planned mailers, and one's getting ready to hope might even be going out while we're talking right now mm-hmm. um so we're, we're hoping to get the word out uh that way we did get um allocated in the budget that was passed in october um around a million dollars that we can use so that campaign's going to go on throughout the year we'll put a lot of emphasis on the general election since that's when we see our largest turnout um and that'll help us to have billboards and print media and and uh, radio media Mm -hmm. um, for sure and um, so that's something we're in process of working with a media company to help us with that right now. Okay and and just so folks know too you know AARP will also be out there making sure that people have access to this information obviously we're having you on the program today Um, we're training our volunteers on how how to help educate people about these processes and what's different now just a reminder folks AARP does not have a political action committee endorsing candidates so we're not we're 
don't have our uh, a, a, a player in the game, so to speak. We just want to make sure that people have the information that they need so that they can participate. Um, in the last couple of minutes that we've got, Karen, um, you mentioned before we did have municipal elections uh, just this past fall um, where the photo ID a requirement was in effect. Was there any notable effect on, I know, participation in municipal elections off years typically, to, you know, you're not going to get the turnout you're going to get this year in elections, but how did this year's off year, or last, excuse me, this past fall's off year municipal elections compare to previous years as far as turnout? Any change or... Um, you know, municipal elections are always interesting because they are so local and so personal. Um, so, you know, some places had really competitive races and some were, you know, a little more low key. And um, mm-hmm. we often do not see the turnout uh, that we we in municipal elections that we see in uh particularly presidential years. Uh, but what that what it did give us an opportunity to do was to roll out photo ID. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we recognize that the folks who participate in municipal elections, not everyone's even eligible to participate. You have to live in that municipality and be a registered voter, um, but they're often the more civically engaged. So, you know, we're, yep. we're trying to just make sure that we recognize that there's a little bit of apples and oranges mm-hmm. going on, um, but it gave us an opportunity to really, you know, work through what rules we had put in place, the training that we had put in place for our, our poll workers, those precinct officials who have to look at those IDs and, and make those comparisons, that sort of thing. And so we feel really good going into 2024 that uh, we can effectively message this and get a, a, a broader message out to uh, the seven. 7.3 million registered North Carolinians. That's an important point to make. You know, the, participating in the municipal elections, um, especially odd year, you're you're pretty diehard uh, voter, right? You're following issues that are going on locally, and you're participating, so you're likely aware of these these types of changes. But still, um, folks, you know, one of the reasons ARP this is important ARP because um, you know older voters go out consistently. We're the most uh, loyal demographic, age demographic that goes out and votes in elections. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of older adults, seniors are targeted for fraud and misinformation, and they may not be up on, uh, you know, there, there's just so many clever ways of tricking people with with misinformation, whether it's consumer scams or whether it could be information regarding voting. Um, and so we want to make sure that people have the best information possible. Karen, uh, how can people learn about... Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned before the website. Can you repeat the website address and also any social media people can follow to get good information Definitely. from you? Definitely. And I gl- I'm glad you're putting an emphasis going to your trusted source of information, mm-hmm. and that's your local election official at that county board of elections and the state board. We aren't, uh, our, our, we are vested in ensuring that people can exercise their right to vote. We don't have uh, a candidate in these in this uh, this fight either. Um, and so please follow us on social media at Facebook. Twitter or X, whichever you want to consider it. Um, We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, And then in terms of our website, it's ncsbe.gov. Specific to voter ID is to forward slash voter ID. But if you'll go to ncsbe.gov, you can get information on voter registration, uh, voter ID, so many things. And you can subscribe so you can receive these press releases and uh, notices of board meetings and so forth. And many of your county board of elections have that too. So you can link to them on our website or go directly to their web pages. Perfect. 
Karen, you're a perfect guest, as always. That's why we keep asking you back, and we hope that you'll come back again after the primary, before the general. We'd love to have I you. I fully expect an invitation. Absolutely. In person again, too, Jason. We're going to hold to that. <laughs> That's a wrap, folks. Thank you to Karen Brinson-Bell again for being with us. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander with AARP North Carolina. We'll see you next time.